But in this last season, we are seeing so much fruit. The presence of God is regularly resting in our gatherings, and the worship of heaven truly does happen here, and it's been an incredible experience. What's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast, where we're passionate about providing you with quality and affordable resources to help your band sound great, but most of all, to help you sound like you and who God made you to be. I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How's it going, Derek? It's going good. Hey, Matt. Derek, what do you do to rejuvenate yourself? To rejuvenate myself? Uh, There's a few things I do. I like to play Xbox. I like to watch sports and just relax, hang out with my wife. Yeah, just kind of not be focused on work 100% of the time, especially when I'm not at work, of course. Right. One of the ways I do that is I actually turn off email notifications when I leave work. Really? That's why you never reply to me after <laughs> 5 p.m. No, see, I leave some notifications on, so if there is something that I need to respond to, Which I will. Slack, because right. that's how we communicate a lot. So if there is something, then I can do that. But yep. emails, not even just work emails, I find like... I have a few email addresses. If I have them all on, I'll get 30 spam emails at like eight at night and I can't live with notifications. My phone has no notifications. So if I see them, I click them. And that can really stress me out when I'm trying to fall asleep and I see 10 emails and I'm like, oh, I gotta go through these. And then I don't wanna forget about it, so then I do it. And so I found that just turning them off and then turning them on in the morning just really helps me. I think it would even help during the day to yeah. not be, because I feel like I've heard, you know, where people talk about just productivity, yeah. how much instant notifications can just destroy your productivity. Because, you know, you're right. working on something, all of a sudden, ding, ding. Yeah. And with Apple, you've got every single device, <laughs> your watch going ding, your iPad, your iPhone. Yep. And like, just turn off the notifications so you can just focus on what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that, though. I also make sure that on, like, Apple, they have, like, the do not disturb thing, and I have it yeah. scheduled. So like there's a setting in there you can turn on schedule do not disturb. So like I think cool. it's between like 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. It's on do not disturb, like no yeah. notifications. Because yeah, you get tons of emails overnight. Right. You're never going to get a restful night's sleep. Right. I also have to be really careful not to like when I first wake up, you know, look at my phone. Yep. And you're looking at emails or something and it's like kind of a depressing way to start a day. Yeah, you're stressed out before you even start working. Before I even got so, out, of the, out of bed, yeah. Yeah. What do you do to like just keep yourself from... Not like you've already burned out mm-hmm. and then now you have to recover. Yeah. Because I think, you know, if you're at that place, it's maybe more extreme type things. Right. But what do you do to really keep yourself maybe from burning out, from even getting to that point in the first place? Yeah. Um, I definitely think you have to mix it up with what you do. If you get in the same routine, you can get complacent Yeah. and get stuck a little bit, especially like with work and with like what you do at home. And so I like to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned I do fun things like get out of the house, exercise, like yeah, stuff like that. What do you do, run or? I don't love running, um, but I like doing different, just exercising either at home or like at a gym or something. Yeah. Um, just different stuff to stay active and yeah. makes you a lot happier just to exercise. So right. um, stuff like That's that. That's what my wife keeps telling me. 
She's yeah. like, we need to get you to run. I love playing basketball a lot. I'm like, can um, we run to Dairy Queen? Yeah, there you go. Or <laughs> I will run if there's a goal. Yeah. Um, or can I run in Fortnite? There you go. Because that's the other thing we do. We do. We play Fortnite. Xbox. Um, yeah. That's a very good way to like unplug. Yes. And a good way. the interview we have today is with Brandon Grissom, and I know that he also plays Fortnite. That's hilarious. I was messaging with him a couple days ago about that. That's so funny. That is an addicting game. It is, for sure. But those kind of things are really helpful, I think, in like helping turn off your brain. Yeah. I mean, everybody's different. For me, like I'm a huge movie junkie. I just love sitting and watching a movie, preferably at a movie theater. Because oh, yeah. when I go to a movie theater, I actually turn off my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the theater for like, you know, two hours, dedicated, focused on this movie. Mm-hmm. And I love that you can kind of just immerse yourself in the story. Or even if you're watching a movie at home, it's still the same kind of way, but there's always stuff that could happen. Yeah. Distractions. Like, yeah, there's just distractions. Yeah. Or you fall asleep. I usually fall, fall asleep, asleep at home when I'm watching a movie. Yep. So That's funny because I actually often fall asleep in a movie theater. Oh, I never do. Oh, man. What movie did I go see? I think it was like some sort of Transformers movie. And I literally slept the whole movie (laughs) and then woke up like for the credits. And honestly, it was still money well spent. It was (laughs) a good good nap. It was a very good nap. Nice. But I think it is important to find ways to rejuvenate yourself and to do things that will prevent yourself from burnout. Yeah. So you don't get to that. And we talk a little bit about that today in my interview with Brandon. Mm -hmm. Brandon Grissom and I used to lead worship together at Willow Creek. All the students at Willow like loved Brandon because I think they just felt very loved by him. And um, so anyways, this is a great interview with Brandon about worship leading, worship culture. And also we talk a bit about just, you know, keeping your heart in the right place. So I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Here's my interview with Brandon Grissom. So, all right, man. Brandon, welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you, man. You and I go back back to our Willow Creek days. Uh, many, many years. I think I met you in 2008. I remember sitting with you at Dr. B's over coffee mm-hmm. when we first met. And um, one of my favorite memories is when you and I and some of the other Willow Creek guys went to Germany. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> and we did Dancing Generation. And I remember when the lights went out during like the, right before the dance part, we all like put on, like Matt put on this like helmet from like yeah, the Roman like Empire. A Trojan War helmet or something. I got a scooter out. I can't remember yeah. what you did. I grabbed a video camera. It was before iPhones filmed everything. So there's video of this, people. <laughs> I think there's video of that moment on YouTube right now. <laughs> and we just like went crazy. Like everyone was dancing all over the place. But do you remember this? Do you remember that in the dancing, a girl in the front row fainted? Oh, yeah. Threw her up on stage in front of me. Exactly. Someone picked her up and put her on stage right in front of you. And you like swooped in like a hero and like carried her off. Took her backstage. A doctor was in the crowd, came backstage, somehow had an adrenaline shot, stabbed her with it. She woke up, caught her breath and started crying when she kind of put two and two together. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Dude. That's so unbelievable, man. It really yeah. was wild to watch. Man, I um, thought it'd be really cool to have you on the podcast just to talk about worship leading and what you're doing now with with Cherry Hills and uh, just pick your brain about some stuff. So can you just let everybody know, just give us a little background of how you got started leading worship. Yeah, my story's a little different than most. So I grew up in a tiny little town in Oklahoma and my dad owned a country dance hall, right? So he owned the only bar in Lincoln County. 
it's a dry county. So it was like on the county line. And so as a kid from like age 13 on, I grew up like playing country music in my dad's bar. So they set me behind this plexiglass window and I was the guy that like took money and wow. checked IDs and all that stuff. And then every 45 minutes to an hour, the house band would call me up and I would hop in with the band and play a few songs, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, George Strait, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. That was how I learned to play and everything. Kind of funny, like the transferable principles to doing that and worship leading because, you know, yeah. Same chords. Yeah, same chords. We had to, you know, you got to book a band every weekend. Yeah. You got to make sure that you have the right number of like, you know, familiar tunes in the bag. You don't want to introduce too many new songs at once. You got to keep people on the floor. Oh, interesting. There's a bunch of stuff that you learn as a kid doing stuff like that, that totally, I would get in trouble if I didn't smile on stage. So now when people see me, you know, they'll come up like, oh, you just have the joy of the Lord on your face. I'm like, no, my mom used to like ground me from stuff if I did a performance and didn't smile. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because if anybody's seen you lead worship, they would know that you have like this gigantic smile. (laughs) doesn't matter what song you're singing. (laughs) It's contagious, man. Totally. Yeah. It was like uh, drilled into me as a kid. My mom to thank for that. I got invited to a church down the road uh, by a guy and he asked me to start playing in his worship team. So I started out playing drums in his worship team. I didn't know a single worship song. I didn't know what he was a youth pastor. I didn't know what a youth pastor was. You know, long story short, it turns out this guy um, was part of Charlie Hall's band a little bit later. Charlie Hall has become a mentor of mine over the years. But at the time, I didn't know any of that world. Um, And so I kind of got to learn the language of worship under this guy. Ended up getting saved. Had a really radical conversion experience. Um, uh, Spirit of God moved. Uh, I was 15. It was a Methodist youth camp. I mean, it was it was sort of a mini revival that happened among a lot of Methodist ministries in the South back then. And God did these super miraculous things and things I had never seen before. And he, uh, he saved me. I came home and I felt like God said on my way home, you have to share the gospel with your family. So I came home, went into the living room, called a family meeting, sat my parents down and my brother and my sister and said, I don't know really know how to say this, but Jesus saved me. He loves you. You know, he wants you to give your life to him. I think that you guys need to do this. And, you know, my dad left the room. He was crying. Super intense moment. By the time I graduated high school, my whole family were saved and baptized. You know, my brother still does ministry now with me to this day. He's here with me in, in Denver. Essentially, the month after I graduated high school, I felt God's call in a ministry, sort of committed my life to Him. And then the very next week, I got a phone call from a church in Oklahoma City, and I started leading worship there. So in the course of like two and a half years, all that happened. And I think this, yeah, this year, like next month, I'll be doing this for like 20 years now. Wow. So that's the whole story in a nutshell. Right, right. I led worship in college at a couple different churches and did a bunch of student events. And then uh, Willow Creek hired me, I think like three months. No, it was three days after my wife graduated college, we had moved to Willow Creek and we were there for 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. And and while you were there, you led worship for junior high? Yeah, yeah. High school? Yeah, pretty much every population. Right. High school, college, and then the the uh, the main auditorium like with the adults. Yeah, yeah. My last three years, I was doing the main weekend services. Wow. Yeah, it's my family. I, I love all those friends I have there, and it was such a sweet season. Yeah, it's a good place. So you've had tons of experience leading worship for all different age groups. You yeah. know, from a fifth grader to 
<laughs> yeah. an adult. What would you say, like, you know, in your 20 years of doing this, like, what would you say is different between leading middle school students, high school students, college students, and adults? Like, do you plan your sets differently for each age group? I think I would say, like, yes, there are some of those, like, nuts and bolts things, like, with certain groups that, I mean, when we gather now, we've had a few, you know, several hour long worship and prayer nights. But I don't know that with 12 year olds, you know, you definitely approach it differently than that. I would say the younger the crowd, the more important the basics become, mm. right? So explaining what songs mean, explaining why we do certain things. Why do we raise our hands? Why do we kneel down before the Lord? Transitions, right? The younger they are, the more distracted they are. You got to think through like how you get from song to song and what types of songs. And you should always be doing those things as a worship leader. But the younger the audience, the younger the congregation, the younger the crowd, the more important right. those things come. Yeah. I remember when I was leading at Elevate at Willow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it being like a very strong thing that you know, every set there's like a worship focus moment where you kind yeah. of like, hey, okay, here's what here's what this word means. <laughs> yes. Or when we sing this sentence, this is what we're saying. So maybe think about this when you sing it, or this is why yeah. we raise our hands or whatever. Yes. Or hey, this is why we turn our cell phones off during worship. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's just some of those common sense things that you learn, like you need like a song bank, right? You need like a bank of songs that are like for this sort of season, these are our tunes and we're not gonna introduce like two or three new, you know, we're going to think strategically about how we do some of that stuff. And right. my opinion is if you start with, you know, students, you learn a lot of the good habits. Um, whereas some of my friends that just leading in other venues and then kind of moved into a younger crowd had to learn some things the hard way. So, right. I don't have a kid, but I can imagine like, you know, when there's like a five-year-old kid and, you know, they're just asking you question after question, like, what is that? And then you answer and they're like, well, well why? <laughs> and well, yeah, why? Totally. And, totally. All the time. But those are important fundamental things that they carry the rest of their life. Totally. And I would also say what I learned back in those early days is it's a difference between being a worship leader and a worship pastor. Like you want to genuinely connect with and have a love for the people that you're leading. So, you know, you got to get out of the green room and you got to like know people's names. And so what happened over the years, you know, it's like I eventually started like officiating weddings for different students or you know, one of my bass players or that kind of stuff just starts happening. Eventually people follow your leadership because they know you and trust you and you're their pastor and not because you're some sort of amazing vocalist or musician. Totally. So you, I mean, you've been doing this for 20 years. Like what would you tell someone to like to keep from burning out? Mm. You know, like, do you ever get tired of, you know, weekend after weekend, you know, cause it's so much work. Never get tired. <laughs> Matt, I'll tell you this last uh, season, I would say I, I kind of came to the end of myself. It's a very humbling time for me. But music, it's weird because it's, it's, it's my vocation, but it's also my calling and it's also my hobby. And, you know, I think a lot of worship leaders can relate. Like it sort of becomes your identity. And yep. yeah, it's really complicated. It is. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, separate all that. I've experienced this new awakening in my life uh, regarding prayer. And there's several of us now that there's uh, at Cherry Hills, um, I sit on our executive team and there's five of us on the executive team. And um, every morning we get up and we spend an hour together in prayer every single morning, just us. And I'm probably spending another hour or so in prayer on my own. I've never prayed so much. I never thought I would ever spend two to three hours a day in prayer. And what's crazy is, is I want more. It's increasing my hunger for God, for his presence. 
you know, we're getting together and we're asking for revival in our city. We're asking for God to um, pour out his presence in new ways. And in fact, last week, we, we've just called a few late night prayer meetings. Last week, we were here with a couple hundred people in our auditorium praying and uh, we broke the midnight barrier. We were here praying after midnight, just seeking God. And so I say all this to address the burnout question. There's a, there are a lot of ways I try to stay full and try to keep my heart full. And some of those are the things you hear all the time, you know, like solitude and getting time for yourself. Obviously, I love to ski. I've been hitting it hard on the slopes all winter. I, I love to ski. I love the mountains. I love to hike. I love to run. I lift. Um, but this past year, it sounds kind of easy to say prayer, but I, I'm spending like way more time with the Lord this year than I ever have. And I feel more energized. I feel like the ideas are coming quicker. Songwriting, like, man, I don't ever want to leave this place. I feel like I'm plugged into this sort of creative source. And, you know, I sit down with a couple of notes jotted down from a prayer time. I go into my studio and I'm, I have a new song in like 45 minutes. And it used to be this laborious, I just feel like the Lord's giving me this stuff. And it's, it's incredible. So um, I don't know if that answers your question super well, but abiding in the Lord. Totally. I am the vine, you're the branches. Right. Remain me and I am you. All that stuff. That's right. what I'm learning. What what brought you there, do you think? Like was it a was it a book or I lost my father about six years ago in an accident. He had me when he was really young. He was he was only like fifty years old, I think, on the dot when he when he died. Set me on this sort of new course of just trying to grieve that and figure that out and wrestle with meaning of life and why God lets these things happen and sort of the place I landed there was that life right now life is a mixture of what i call pain and promise the pain of now war disease crime death racism political division that is that's the pain in one hand the promise is in the other hand it's, uh someday there will be no more war no more political division no more disease no more racism the kingdom of god will come and no one will die and um, so you live, we live right now in the, in the in between. Um, and so that all went down and then my responsibilities were increasing at Willow. It's, uh, uh, it was more weight than I've had to carry before. Did that for a season. Then I relocated with my family to Cherry Hills. Felt like God was calling us out here. Totally unrelated. We were still loving our ministry at Willow, but God just kept saying to us, it's time to go join this church out there. And, um, and now I have what I call a big boy job, right? So I oversee all of the production folks and I oversee all the film people and I oversee all the worship leaders. And so I have to think differently. And the first uh, season I was here really stretched my capacity. And that's what drove me to my knees. God, I cannot do this in my own strength. And so it was almost embarrassingly, it was kind of like the, the last thing I hadn't tried yet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. God, take control. It's interesting because it's like almost where God wants us totally. <laughs> in this like desperate spot. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Man, that's so, that's encouraging to hear. I think that a lot of worshipers listening to this could relate to that, you know, coming out of, you know, Easter and then now planning the next sermon series or whatever. And <laughs> there's an immense amount of pressure on worship leaders to be everything. And right. it's just been a, a right sizing of things for me. This is, this is Jesus. This is Christ church, not my church. Yeah, keeping first things first. Yeah. So when you first came to Cherry Hills, what would you say was the first thing you focused on to develop the worship culture there? You know, because you're walking in as a, a new person in the church. I'm sure there had already been volunteers there for a while. and Totally. 
So what's awesome is when I got here, you know, sort of on the on the staff side, it's just some incredibly talented people that I inherited. We have uh, some amazing worship leaders that, that were already here that had done, had already established a really strong culture, some musicians that, man, I could just brag on them all day. Um, so when I came in, it was, you know, our, our senior pastor had been here for a few years and he had sort of taken the church from an, another guy who started the church who had been here for decades. So there was already some sort of stuff happening, some new culture. And so when I came in, I um, I was trying to be patient and, and just kind of learn the culture. But some sort of practical stuff that we did right away is I wanted to get our audio stuff figured out. We installed the L Acoustics PA system. We did a classic like shootout. We brought in several audio companies into the auditorium. And we listened to their stuff and really felt like the L acoustics fit our room um, well. And, and then we hired a, hired an audio guy that I really adore to come in. So we started getting some of that stuff settled. We uh, started to write together with our worship team. We started to try to find our identity, our sound. Um, we started to pay attention to what God was doing in our community and write songs that reflected what God was doing in our community. And what's what's really a gift in all of this is Shane Farmer. He's our senior pastor. Shane and I have been in ministry together for a long time, you know, over a decade. Shane is a worshiper, and I don't want to dismiss any other senior pastors, but there are senior pastors who, during worship time, they're getting their head in the game around their message or their, you know, yep. Shane. Shane is our worship leader. Shane is our primary worship leader. We all follow him. We have a saying, leaders go first. Shane always is the way in our uh, when it comes to our worship culture. So every good thing that's happened since I've been here is easily aided because our senior leader leads worship. It's our number one value in our church. It's stated that we want to be people who love God, that we express our love towards God up in worship. We want to see heaven's worship happen here is how we say it. And so we have a church that is all about worship. And we had to say it and preach it and believe it long before it ever started to actually be true of us. But in this last season, we are seeing so much fruit. It is the presence of God is regularly resting in our gatherings, and the worship of heaven truly does happen here. And it's, it's just been an incredible experience. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome, man. I know you guys have, so Cherry Hills Worship, you guys released an album. Yeah. Which is killer. And these are all original songs, right, that you guys wrote? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, they're all original tunes, and it was our sort of first foray into it. We did this quickly. We tracked everything in three days. Many of the songs on the record, we hadn't actually gotten a chance to try out with the congregation yet. Uh, my friend, longtime friend, Phil Shaw, and you know Phil, um, he ended up producing it, and just super happy with this first foray into this. And I I just, I learned a lot too, and I'm looking forward to the next time. What's one of the main things you would do differently if you could? Um, I think the the writing process, I would just like to include more writers and spend more time on the bones of the song. There are a few songs I wrote by myself. I'm a big believer in co-writing. I should have had a few other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you which songs, but... Well, do you guys uh, do you guys have songwriting retreats? The way that it's been looking lately is um, Jeremy Richardson um, and his wife Amy. They're two of our key worship leaders, and uh, Jeremy and I. It's sort of like a 
honestly, there's an app called Music Memos. Oh, Music Memos. And it's got a decent mic in it. And, and or uh, I don't know, it's like a preamp almost kind of simulator built into the thing. So you can just play your guitar in your phone and sing. It sounds decent. We send, you know, text and email snippets of songs a lot. I, I make Monday my creative day. Um, so that's when I do a lot of my writing. So between Jeremy and a few other people that have just emerged as sort of songwriter, prayer warrior, worship leader, intercessor type people, you know, there's a couple of people just in our congregation that aren't even really on the team officially. I've written some songs with, which has been kind of fun to just write songs with people in the community that you didn't even know were into that. So it's essentially, I, in my Evernote, I have just a stack of, you know, hundreds little snippets of song ideas. And, and then on Monday I go in and I just start trying to assemble. Right. Are you still doing Brandon Grissom music? I am. Probably because of my big boy job, I have had to lower the number of dates that I'll do in a given year. So I'll do a handful of things that make sense. I'm still doing some of the, uh, I did like the Youth Specialties Conference uh, this past year and love those people. And so I, it's definitely not the priority right now. My priority now is praying for revival in our church and our city yep. and building our Cherry Hills worship team. I would imagine in two or three years, I'll probably do another solo record, but I got a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah. It's been a transition. There was a dying to self in all of this. Like, you know, I think at my very best in my sort of solo career, I had like a number two record on iTunes. It was like amazing. And then Caleb maybe played my song a handful of times. And then everyone was like, this is going to happen. And then it just kind of didn't happen. And so um, I've definitely had to move on from the idea of, of having that sort of big fat solo career because God had something better in store for what he wanted to do with me. That's right. I know that feeling. And I think there's probably other guys that are listening to this that probably have had that same feeling. Yep. And um, man, I've just always appreciated your, your example of leadership. I feel like you've always been a very good example of loving people well. From the first time I met you, I knew, I mean, I could tell very quickly that you were very well loved by all the people that were in the bands, you know, just of how they're talking about, you know, Brandon, Brandon this, Brandon that. And like, they just, they all felt very loved by you. And it was just clear that you were leading them really well and letting them flourish. And so I've always had a lot of respect for you. And I think what you said here is a really good reminder for worship pastors to just keep first things first, <laughs> to uh, be on our knees that, you know, like we... <laughs> We can try to do it without God, but it's not going to go very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's easy to lose your first love. You know, when you get put up on stage every weekend, all of a sudden you have all these other competing things. You want to sound good, look good, play well, impress. Right. And if you lose your first love, man, it's it means nothing if anointing isn't there, you know? Right. That's so good. I love asking this question of other worship guys like you. This will be our last question, but is there a song or an album right now that when you listen to it, it just personally like moves you deeply, you know, like into the presence of God. And maybe it's not one that you would be leading in worship. It could be even just something that just personally really touches you. Uh, have you heard Chris McClarney's Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Yeah, that's incredible, man. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you a few. Defender by Rita Springer. Have you heard that song? Yes, that's a good one too. Um, I love that tune. Um, everyone's doing So Will I now. Yeah. We were singing that uh, this past weekend. And man, the presence of God came so strong. And that song is poetry. What I like about that song is it's one of those songs where when it sort of came on the scene, because the timing was right, it was one of those songs that maybe a year ago, it would have been too niche to work. You know, God spoke 
these words, they wrote it down, they recorded it, they did it, and it was the timing, and it was God's presence, and it was all these things sort of happened at one time. And you can tell it's sort of like we take a little new ground when a song like that comes out. That song, Oceans, right. it just is played so much now. Yeah, right. <laughs> you forget how significant that song was when it came out. And that was a similar thing. Like, nothing like this was out there. Yep. Felt a little bit niche, but all of a sudden, it's like the best-selling yeah, most impactful worship song in the church, and I love that. You know, yeah, as a songwriter, those are special. Yeah, poetry. It's like it's poetic. It forces you to really like think creatively. I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I was sitting at our dining room table across from my wife, and I just had headphones in, and I was just listening to the new album, trying to figure out what songs are on there. And my eyes just watered up, and my wife looked at me, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm just like, I can't believe what I just heard. It's <laughs> like, incredible. And I just listened to it like a million times. A billion times. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know that we have Cherry Hills Worship. We have all of your guys' original multi-tracks on Loop Community. Yeah. So that's cool. Make sure you guys check out Cherry Hills Worship on Spotify, iTunes. It's an awesome album. Brandon, if people wanted to find you, where where could they find you? Yeah, so personal website, brandongrissom.net, Twitter, Brandon Grissom, Instagram, Brandon Grissom, Facebook, Brandon Grissom Music. Um, yeah, would love if people have questions or want to reach out after this. Totally available. Cool. Thanks for joining us, man. It's good to see you. So good to catch up with you. Honored to be on your show. Hey community, our featured producer for this month is Ryan King. Ryan is a worship leader and creative director at Church of the Highlands in North Alabama. Ryan is also a sound designer and producer and creates awesome tracks that you can check out on loopcommunity.com, including his new patch bundles for Omnisphere, Pads, Volume 1 and 2. Let's hear from him now. Hey guys, my name is Ryan King, and I'm the keyboard instructor over at worshipartistry.com. Over the past 20 years, I've done a variety of things, including being a keyboard player for artists such as Big Daddy Weave, Don Moen, and many others. I've also been a worship pastor as well as an MD, and the one thing that I've done probably more than all of that is that I've been a developer. When I'm not cranking out a new tutorial over at Worship Artistry, I'm creating patches and stems for Loop Community, and I'm excited excited that I get to partner with a company like Loop Community to provide quality resources that help build the church and invest in the kingdom. I am LC. Thanks, Ryan. Now let's hear the track he created for Thousand Tongues by Vertical Worship. Community talk. All right, Derek, what'd you think of that interview with Brandon? Oh, it was good. He sounds awesome. I haven't met him, but uh, seems like a great guy. And going with what we talked about earlier about burning out and yeah. avoiding that, he talks about how big prayer has been right. for him in that, which is awesome. Which sounds like such a basic thing. Right. And he said that he was like, I'm not just trying to take like a very Christian answer. He's like, it's so important when you can just pray with your peers and your team and your family. Yeah. You're going to be a lot more rejuvenated. And when you do things with God that you love to do, right. um, you're not going to burn out as fast. It's going to be a lot more enjoyable. 
Right. You're going to find God in what you do. Yep. And that's awesome. That's what we all have to do. Yeah. And like positioning yourself in a place of desperation. Like, yes. I mean, I think it's interesting too, like when I've maybe even led worship at churches where we spend, you know, a couple of hours practicing the songs, you know, putting the sets together for sure, mm-hmm. practicing the songs, doing a sound check, doing a run through, running all the videos, running all the slides. And then like, you know, after three hours of run through and service starts in like 10 minutes and everybody's like, all right, guys, let's pray real quick. And we give like maybe one minute to actually praying for the service. Yeah. Where it's like we put three hours into like preparing the stuff, but we spent one minute just praying. Right. And I think not that we need to be praying for three hours, but I do think that there needs to be an importance of like all of this is like totally empty. Yeah. Unless God does what only he can do. Right. For sure. That the Holy Spirit would show up and really change people's hearts. And we need to be like, as leaders, we need to be in a place of like desperation for that. Like, God, please, like, come and do what only you can do. Because all of our plans for the set and our plans for, you know, these rehearsals on the stuff, like, none of that's actually going to do the, like, actually be able to change hearts. Yeah. It's used by God to do that, but it's not the main thing. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get that backwards and flipped around. And it sounds like that's what Brandon's talking about of like, we got to get back to basics. Mm hmm get on our knees and like pray and believe that prayer is actually going to change things, that things could change at your church, in your church culture, whatever, you know, mountains your worship ministry is facing, that, that prayer actually can can change that. Yeah. And you said culture and changing yeah. that. He talks about how he started to change the culture or not change the culture when he got to a new church right. and how he was patient in that. And I found that really interesting because so often it's easy to go into a new role and just be like, here's what I want to do. Here's what we're going to do like throw it all at people and people can be resistant to change. And so he said at the beginning he was patient and he waited and kind of saw how things were run before as the worship pastor, he changed everything around or added some things. Yeah, totally. So that was really cool. Because it can be so easy to like come in as a new guy, be like, all right, we're going to do things exactly as I've been doing them my whole life. The way that I like organizing things or the way that I, you know, plan sets or organize bands or do sound. And instead of coming in as like a dictator, you know, I think I heard, I think Donald Miller or someone was talking about the term like benevolent dictatorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Bob Goff was okay. saying that in a podcast recently of like, someone does need to be in charge. Yeah. But benevolence out of like letting other people win, letting other people succeed, letting other people's ideas come to the table. But in the end, someone has to actually make decisions. Right. And I think, you know, Brandon coming in, you know, when you're going on staff at a new church, you kind of want to be a student of that ministry and of that church. Figure out, like, how have they done things? Why are they doing the things they do? Right. You know, what's the church culture there already? Like, because you don't want to take someone from, like, gear one to gear five abruptly because then you break the car that way. Yeah. <laughs> if you go from gear one to gear five. Right. Maybe what they're doing, maybe you'll learn from them. Maybe something they're doing is better than the way you did it. Right. And if you just change everything right away, you'll never have learned that. Yeah, so. totally. And then he talks about how he like slowly did it he started with well i want to sound better and sound a certain way so he started with their audio which isn't like a huge culture thing but for the people who ran sound maybe that was hard for them or maybe they would have been a little bit resistant but he's like this is where we're starting we're starting with changing the audio yeah and then he worked his way all the way up to songwriting yeah right with his team which was awesome yeah and probably steps in between there were like yeah structuring teams yeah how we actually schedule out teams, right. how we build a service flow, yeah, how we like all these building blocks yeah, that then what eventually we're playing what instruments are on stage, yeah, and everything. So that eventually got them to songwriting, yeah. And I think that is really important because, like, if you just came in and like, all right, we're focusing on songwriting, 
but there's actually no other culture there or even the sound is bad mm -hmm. then it's like all right well the songs you're writing are going to sound really bad mm -hmm. because you kind of jumped the gun there you like skip the steps yeah work on the sound first so i do think that that's a good reminder of yeah taking things like in order yeah being strategic like having a plan yeah definitely not just coming in and changing everything and and then prayer one other thing I was actually thinking about prayer was that like, I was just even thinking of an example of, we just had some issues with the website. Hmm. And I remember for like a week, we were spending so much time trying to fix the issue. And we tried everything. It was actually exhausting. Like <laughs> we tried every possible scenario and it did not look like it was getting fixed. And then one day I remember coming in and being like, you know what, we need to just pray that this would get resolved. Yeah. And we did, we like circled up in the office and we prayed for it. And literally, like, within, like, a couple hours, wow. it was resolved. Wow. The issue was resolved. We can spend, like, hours working on something, but unless, like, the Lord, like, there's something that only He can do in that. For sure. Sometimes. And so I really enjoyed my interview with Brandon. Yeah, me too. I thought he has a lot of great things to say, great reminders for worship leaders, and just leadership in general. And Derek, it's been good talking with you. It has. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. Later, loopers.